Another week begins. It is Monday, February 12th, and welcome to uh, this hour of Flames Talk. Steinberg and Logan Gordon along with you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Hi, Logo. Hi, Patrick. It's good to see you, buddy. It's great to see you. I have a million-dollar question. Okay, I Uh, probably don't have the answer. No, I don't think you do. I don't know if anybody has the definitive answer, but it is the million-dollar question, at least for me right now. Straight up, what the hell has gotten into these Calgary Flames? Because this is by far the best that they have played in ages. That is three straight games where they have put together bangers of efforts. Like they pounded the Bruins. They were better almost all night than New Jersey, a desperate Devils team. And then their kryptonite matinee. 1 p.m. Eastern start against the Islanders. They were so much better than New York for the vast majority of that hockey game. And even when the Islanders were chasing in the third period, I never felt like this one was getting away. You throw in the way the number one star of the week, Jacob Markstrom, is playing right now. The Flames are playing better hockey. There's no question about this one. In my eyes, the Flames are playing better hockey by a country mile than they have at any point this season. This is by far the best three-game stretch they've put together in terms of them looking the same night after night in terms of the way they have controlled things for the balance of 60 minutes, and they're getting rewarded in all three games. They've won all three of these games essentially going away. This is a completely different team than they've been all season. And honestly, Logo, this has got to be what? The, the best they've played since the beginning of... Last season, with that 5-1 and one start, the best six-game start that they've had in franchise history, and obviously then it went off the rails, but it's got to be the best they've played since the beginning of last year, and maybe even better. I don't know. It depends on how you look at it. Maybe it's the best stretch since the end of the 21-22 season. I don't know, but I'm not even trying to exaggerate when I talk about these things. I have not been as impressed with the Flames over a stretch of hockey. You know, one game is fine, but a stretch of hockey like I have during this three-game stretch. I know they've won four straight, but, you know, the Chicago win was whatever, and they looked awful on that entire homestand. They go into the All-Star break, they trade Lindholm, and they come out of the break, and they look like a completely different team. So I'm not even trying to, you know, be sensationalist and try to pump it up for the sake of a good segment. I am actually damn impressed but what I've seen from the Flames in these last nine periods, they have been really, really good. You know what I will say I think has played a big factor in this yeah. is I, I think it's because the expectation could have been so different coming out of the All-Star break. This team had a choice to make coming out of the All-Star break. You could feel bad about yourself knowing you didn't have a good home stand, knowing you lost your number one center, and the play that you had leading up to the All-Star break probably helped, you know, facilitate that trade in a way, right? Made it clear for your GM to make that sort of decision. And you could have felt bad about yourself. I really think that this, the the reason that this 
looks so great, and it's not taking anything away from what they've actually done on the ice. But, Pat, there was a choice for this group to make, and it could have gone the other way starting in Boston. Man, we're out of an all-star break. All those things I just said, number one center's gone. We haven't played that well over the last couple of weeks. It's just it's not really going our way. Now we got to walk into Boston. we got to go on this four-game Eastern road trip against some pretty good teams. Everything works against us right now. Yeah. And they could have let that carry them down. But instead, they've used it as an opportunity to rise up and answer to a challenge. And that's been great to see because I think it could have so easily gone the other way. You could, you know, here's the beginning of the teardown and this is happening and woe is me. You know, it's, it's going to get tough here, but they, they took it a completely other way. And it's been, you're right. It, it really has been stunning to see what they've done to some pretty good teams out yeah. East on this road trip. When you said uh, they had to make a choice, I immediately went to Tracy Chapman and I said, we've got to make a decision. Leave tonight or live and die this way. And and you know what? The Flames decided the former. They decided to leave tonight. They've played some really good hockey here over the last little bit. And um, I, I give them a lot of credit. I really do. I give them a ton of credit for the way they've played here. They've been doing this all in the hornet's nest of speculation that has just that, – that, that thing was a nest, and then all of a sudden those Hornets started buzzing 10, 15 times faster after the Lindholm trade, and everybody's waiting for Tanev to be dealt, and everybody's waiting for Hannafin to be dealt or make a decision or whatever the hell happens. And here they are playing their best hockey in ages, and I give them a ton of credit. And I so and and honestly, I don't think that they're because I, I asked the question, "What's going on here? What the hell's gotten into these Flames?" That's that's the overarching kind of motherhood question, and I I don't think it's just one thing that's going on right now. And I'm I'm just gonna throw a bunch of theories out there and and let's dive in on them and and see what we think because the the first thing that I think of is addition by subtraction since the Lindholm trade. And that is not a shot at Elias at all. It's not really the subtraction of Lindholm, the person or the player, but more so the extraction of a significant distraction and a significant amount of noise. All of the noise that surrounded Lindholm's future and contract negotiations that were polar opposites and where is he going to go and when is it going to get done and how is this going to play out it was weighing on him. It was weighing on him personally and on the ice. There's no question about it. So they make the move, and just like that, that noise, it's a its a significant amount of noise that is gone, right? And, and I think that, that when I say addition by subtraction, has nothing to do with Elias the guy. It has to do with all of the circus that was surrounding him. And by trading Lindholm to Vancouver – to me, that's the first thing that comes to mind is, and, and Michael Backlund even said it came coming out of the break. I think that they have gotten rid of a lot of noise. There's still noise that exists, but the volume got turned down a, a good amount by the Lindholm trade. Yeah, and I wonder if it's, I don't even know if, and I, this isn't a shot at you, I don't even know if addition by subtraction is the right way to look at it. No, I, that's I don't a really, shot at me. Wow. It really wow. is. It's a personal thing. I just can't get over the way that you, you phrase things, but it's almost like I, I don't even know what the the proper term is. It it's just it feels like addition by change of circumstance. You know what I mean? It's just you you've taken out Lindholm, who as you laid out there had a lot of reasons to, you know, kind of feel the way that he did and play the way that he did this year, and now you've brought in Andre Kuzmenko, who on the other side, Pat, has everything to prove. 
right? And has this new energy about him of a fresh start and a, I'm happy to be in Calgary instead of being on the bench in Vancouver watching everybody else have a lot of fun. It just it feels like almost just the change simply in in the mental perspective of it could be enough to do it. And I, and you're right, it doesn't take anything away from what Lindholm was at the center ice position and how valuable he was to the team, but I wonder if just even the perspective of a guy that's like, man, I can't wait to have this over with and stop talking about it to a guy that is like, hey, man, this is a fresh start for me. I'm happy as hell to even yep. get an opportunity. Yep. Let's go. Uh, hey, I'm Andre. I'm going to meet you guys. I'm going to be super excited. How much did that change things for this group? Yep. I, I, I think it is a uh, I, I think it is a, a significant part of it. And I don't know how long you get that bump, right? Like how long does does that last extracting that part of it and moving on from a distraction that clearly was there. And and I think the Flames and Ryan Huska has talked at length about this, about how the leadership group has done a good job of blocking the outside noise out and keeping the focus inside the room. But, you know, I, I don't think there's any difference that still moving on from that distraction has an immediate effect. And I think we've seen it have an immediate effect. But I just wonder how long you get that bump for. How long does that the 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 good vibes from that continue especially when noise still exists around Hannafin and around Tanev that's not going anywhere so you get get rid of some of it but as as that happens as we move closer to the trade deadline volume is going to go back up about the other two that still have uncertain futures right yeah I think results will play a, a large part in that right again if you start to let it slip and let it build up into something and let that noise build up around your team because it it feels like it, we you know now we've got reason to talk about the on ice product and the game to game process rather than where would we usually you know if this team was in the midst of a say a three game losing streak Pat we'd probably kick this program off with you know more around Tanev and and Hannafin and the future of this team and how much does winning and you know getting the proper result for this group help suppress some of that noise and keep that on the back burner. You're right. How long it lasts, I, I don't know because there's still questions to be answered and this is maybe just the first big domino that this team has to face. Yeah. But as Ryan Huska said on Monday when he was asked about, you know, dealing with the noise and how it's kind of gone but maybe jumps back up again, it's nothing new to this group. They've dealt with it since day one. And the guys that are going to be here and the guys that are leaders on this team understand what's happening and what's going to have to, it's going to have to be a consistent message. Yeah. It really until past the trade deadline, I think. Um, And then I, as, as you talked about a little earlier, you know, you move on from the distraction, which I think is a significant part of it, a distraction, not the only one, but one of them. And at the same time, not just Kuzmenko comes in, right? Like Kuzmenko comes in and, and he offsets things a lot by, just being that very positive and, and you know, that's that's a tough guy not to like and, and not to root for and a tough guy not to bring spirits up in the dressing room. Well, Pelche's the same way. We know that about him. He's back. Kevin Rooney is one of the most positive human beings you'll ever talk to, and he came into this season and thus came back to the team after missing the first half and a bit of the year, feeling like he had a fresh start and with all kinds of enthusiasm and all kinds of excitement. 
And you got a guy you get claimed on waivers in Braden Pahal who believes that he needs to prove himself with the opportunity he's given. He told me a week ago when we had him on the show that, hey, I know I've been claimed on waivers, and I know what goes along with being claimed on waivers. You get a look, and you better damn well make sure that you do something with the look, and he's done that too. So you have all those four things, whether it's added motivation, whether it's just added enthusiasm, a little bit more positivity. That ends up being, uh, I think, a real catalyst for the team playing much better and playing the way they have out of the break. It's hard not to. It, it kind of feels like at the same time or close to the same time, the Flames have had a lot of really feel-good stories come together at the same time, right? Not only has Kuzmenko's attitude been good, but he's shown some results on the ice, right? That's been a big positive for this team. You, you, I mean, we felt the energy from Jacob Pelche in the press box, the guy is just naturally infectious and loves, and I, I wonder how much of it all coming together. How many times? How many times do we look over when we're at home games? So, so if you're if you're uh, if you're not aware, which why would you be? Um, so, the, uh, in our spot up in the press box, we're in a really open spot. So it goes uh, the real deal, Tim Khalil. Uh, the best in the business, our, our producer. Uh, and then from left to right, it goes Tim Khalil, our producer. Beside him is Derek. Beside him is Mick, Megan Mickelson. Then I sit next over. Logo sits right beside me. And then to his right is one of our engineers who's there to make sure that everything goes off well and fixes things when they inevitably go wrong. And then the rest of our section is open. And a lot of the time, scratches will sit there, right? So injured players or healthy scratches will sit, you know, four, five, six seats down from where we are. How many times do we look over and, and we're like, what is that noise? Because, you know, there's no clapping in the press box. Jacob Pelche does not abide by that rule. <laughs> He's, his hand He's on the screaming, table. <laughs> standing up and clapping. Like, I, I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen, like, you know, maybe in a playoff game you'll see something like that. But game 27, there's Jacob Pelche watching from... Uh, watching from the press box, clapping at every goal, cheering like it's the the guy just exudes enthusiasm. It's incredible, and for him to be that excited about being in the press box and watching his teammates, I can only imagine what it gets cranked up to when he's in a locker room and knows he's actually going to get to go and play a hockey game. It's just it's been a couple of really good stories all coming together at the same time for the Calgary Flames, and you laid them out there, Pat. Whether it's Pelts and Rooney. You know, coming back from their own injuries and Rooney having something to prove because of how his first season in Calgary didn't go his way. Jacob Pelche still establishing himself as an NHL. Or Braden Pahal, same sort of story, right? It's nice to be claimed on waivers and to be wanted, but you know you can head right back there if it's not good enough. 100%. And Andre Kuzmenko, we've talked about since the beginning, was becoming an afterthought in Vancouver as a guy on the bench while... Yeah, it would sure feel good to come to a new team and feel appreciated and be like, hey, man, we're going to put you on our first line. He's got some power play production already. I can't yep. even imagine what that feels like. So it's, it's kind of a lot of good vibes hitting this team at the same time when, like I said at the beginning, I feel like it could have gone the other way and it really could have soured on this team. It, it just it hasn't happened. What about What about a little bit of, you know, Screw you. An FU mentality. Like, I, I think they've kind of had that all year. Um, you know, I, I remember, I don't know if it was Aaron and I or, or Wes and I a few weeks ago talking about it on an hour of Flames talk and basically how the Flames are kind of like, 
a little miffed that there's so much dismissiveness about their chances of tracking down a wild card spot because I think there is uh, amongst a lot of pundits, um, amongst some fans in this market, and certainly outside of the market. I think there's a lot of dismissiveness, like, oh, the Flames are also rants. Don't worry about them. I, I just wonder, and then you go out and you trade Lindholm, and the reaction, again, of some in the hockey world was, okay, well, there's the Flames waving the white flag, you know? They've traded Lindholm, now what? And it's just going to be a steady free fall down the standings for them. I wonder how much of that, you know, shove it down the critics' throats mentality there's been. And I know they'll tell you that they don't care what Logan says or Pat says or Friedman says. or any, like they, they, they don't care about what the people on the outside says. That, that's, that's what you hear all the time. But I'm sorry, I, I think sometimes you do care because I'm sometimes, I, sometimes I believe you can and do use it as significant motivation. And I wonder how much of that's going on. Like, okay, we're not waving the white flag. Whether you think we are or not, we're going to prove it to ourselves and, and we're going to shove it down your throats in, in the meantime. I know it's only three games and who knows how long this brand lasts for, but I wonder how much of that coming out of the All-Star break some of these guys have taken on. So, okay, let's... Let's go out there and 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 really shove it to the rest of the NHL world because I think there's uh, always a nice galvanizing force that goes along with that. I'd be willing to bet that there's a significant amount of that from a number of veterans on this team. I, I would point to number 25 probably first and foremost of that. I mean, there isn't a trade. There isn't a move. There isn't a... Uh, force on this world that would make me think that Jacob Markstrom is going to lose an ounce of his competitiveness regardless of the situation that he's in. And I look at Blake Coleman the same way. I look at Michael Backlund the same way. I look at Mackenzie Weger in a really similar way. And just these guys who just aren't going to let the noise affect what they do on a day-to-day basis. And they're just, okay, well, you want to trade Elias Lindholm? That's fine. We're going to go about our business and you know what, as much as we've had these conversations, the fact is they've never put themselves far enough out of the conversation to yep. never stop believing that. Yep. Right. I mean, I'm sure it's a lot harder to have that conversation in San Jose or Chicago and, and actually mean it. But if we're being honest, yes. Has it looked bleaker at times than it does on this Monday? Yeah, absolutely. It has. But at no point has the math ever told you or looking up at the numbers ever told you, yeah, we're fully out of this thing. We're screwed. We've got no chance in hell. So why would they believe anything else? Yeah. Right? And I think you're right. I think there's probably a good portion of that locker room that says we can't control what the GM does. We can't control. Like, it's not our job to shape this team for the future. Like, what's Ryan Huskis? Well, hey, you know, I know it's tough, guys, but, you know, we're going to lose some good guys here, but... You know, let's just focus on, you know, how we're getting better for the future. No, Ryan Husky doesn't care about two weeks from now or two months from now. And nor should he. No, that's not his job. That's not any of their jobs. They're paid to win hockey games. Yep. They're not paid to worry about the future. That's what Craig Conroy and Dave Nonis and, and Don Maloney are paid to do. So, I, frankly, I would be probably on the other side. I think as a Flames fan or a Flames observer... You'd probably be pissed if they didn't have that kind of attitude. Yep, and I, I think it's good. I'm impressed by it. The, the only other thing that I'll bring up in terms of 
why? Because I think all three of the things we brought up so far, little addition by subtraction and, and getting rid of some of the noise that went along with Elias Lindholm's future. Again, that's not a shot on Elias. He was a pro. He did the best he possibly could handling the uncertain uh, uncertainty. And, and he was a great flame. He really was. So that's not a knock on Elias. I'm not saying that, oh, he was a bad guy. Get him out of here. No, 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 no. By no means. But just beyond his control in a lot of ways, there was a lot of distraction and noise that went along with his future and an uncertain future. Well, with him so. here as long as it is, you, they're not just teammates, they're friends. Yeah. Right? And you can, I think as friends and as people that are close to each other, don't you wear some of that too? Right? If you know Elias is really struggling, if you're Jacob Markstrom, who we know is one of you know, the closest friends to Elias Lindholm that he's had in his life. Don't you wear that a bit if you're Jacob Markstrom? If you know your friend's going through a really tough, he's like, man, I don't know. I, I could be in Vancouver. I could be in New Jersey tomorrow. You know, maybe I got to, you know, pick up my life and move to, you know, wherever for three months. And I don't know what's happening. And that's really wearing on me personally. That the wears on you as teammates and as friends when you know they're going through that. And you know, right? And I'm sure they have those conversations. Man. It's just it's hard for me to get up today because I know next week maybe I'm not part of this team, right? I, I think that real-life factor to it plays into that a lot, too, and I think it played in a lot of what yeah. Elias Lindholm looked like on the ice this season, and I think that's part of why you feel it in the locker room because you know you know at least now that part's settled for him and he doesn't have that stress going through on, on a day-to-day basis. So you've got the, the, the Lindholm uh, uh, kind of subtracting that distraction so a little addition by subtraction you've got the infusion of some new energy which I don't think uh, has hurt in any way and has done nothing but help and then you've got a little bit of an FU mentality um, that the the group I think is taken on the, the last thing that I'll add is I think having an effective fourth line from an X's and O's standpoint Having an effective fourth line cannot be understated in terms of how important this has been because they haven't had one essentially all year. Maybe for a week, two weeks there when they had uh, Sharon Govich centering that fourth line, but essentially they have not had a regular effective fourth line all year long and certainly not since like early November. Since early November, it's been like every second game that Ryan Huskas had to sit down his fourth line and go down to 10 or 9 forwards. And now he doesn't have to do that. At least, look, again, I, I'm very well aware it's only three games, so you can't get too far ahead of yourself. But We haven't had a three-game stretch of good news from the fourth line. Very, very true. With, with Pelche <laughs> and Rooney joining Dewar. It's not an overstatement from three games. We haven't had three games without somebody falling off the map and having to be benched. And you know, having to sit there and talk about the next call up or injury. So I don't, I don't think you're overstating it at all. They've been so good in in terms of what they've been asked to do. They've been getting a lot of defensive starts. They've done well with those defensive starts. They're playing physical. They're playing fast. They they've generated opportunities. Pelche has his first point of the year. Rooney has his first goal of the year. Like I, I don't the ability to finally run four lines and use four lines that cannot be understated in terms of how important I think that's been to the way the flames have played, because finally it feels like that they can play to the identity that they've been trying to play to all year, a team that does roll four lines. 
kind of hard to be true to your identity when you don't have four lines to roll, right? Yeah, hard, hard to be like, hey, we're going to use our depth to beat teams and have to go down to three lines, right? <laughs> it just it doesn't it doesn't work. The whole point of being able to, you know, outwork guys and use that to your advantage disappears when those guys have to be overworked and you can't trust the line. And that's what it got to. I mean, remember, I don't even remember what game it was. It was one of the Klapka games. They were at like two minutes yeah. of, of ice time in the floor. Like that, the tremendous stress that that puts on the other guys that are doing other things and having Kevin Rooney come in and have a fourth liner, Pat, that can also come in and, and use some time on the penalty kill and take stress off of guys that way too is huge. The fourth line wasn't just underperforming. They were hurting their team some nights. I, I truly believe on some of those nights where Ryan Huska had to shorten up his bench, he did it to try to preserve some of his other guys because it was just to the point where it was like, hey, I can't have this line going out there every second shift because my fourth line's not going because then they got to go PK. Some of these guys work double duty on the power play. It was just it was putting too much stress on too many of the other guys. And as we've talked about, they don't really have that star guy that you always lean on in that situation. So it kind of takes away from some of the strengths of this team. Yep. Those are kind of the reasons that I would point to when trying to talk about or trying to figure out when I ask the question, what has gotten into these flames? Those are four. I, I think it's a mixture of all four, probably missing a few other things in there as well. But those are the four things that stand out to me as we hit the uh, text line at 960, 960. Um, this says, uh, I'm not in the room, so wouldn't know. But do you think a bit of chemistry in the room was off with some of these guys potentially not wanting to be there and now just out playing hockey for each other and having a bit of fun? Yeah, I think there's probably something to uh, an uptick in um, an uptick in chemistry for sure. Uh, this says Pat, the vets don't want to rebuild as soon as the trade deadline's over, they'll go back to normal. We'll draft in the middle, miss out on Yakim Chuck and Markstrom and Coleman will still be here with no assets for them. That comes from Mick. Again, you can make moves in the off season as well, Mick. I, I think that that's important to point out. Uh, this is from Joseph in Calgary. Cloud over the dressing room is gone with the Lindholm trade. Guys naturally love to step up at moments like this. That being said, they still need to play 750 hockey potentially. Go Flames, go. Uh, this says, what, no love for Shillington? I, that probably adds to it too. Shillington came back before. He came back two games before the All-Star break. So that's the only reason I haven't included him. But yeah, I think that the, the energy that, that Oliver's brought back to the group as well um, is is an important point. I, I don't, that was not a... Uh, purposeful omission of Oliver Shillington. He just came back two games prior. So I think that's very fair. Um, this says uh, from Scott in Yorkton. I also think there's got to be some motivation from the huge trade Conroy made to get rid of Lindholm and get some assets back. That sure pumped me up. Um, this says uh, from Sanchez quote of the year was a pack of hyenas taken down a lion. Hey, that's uh that's a good one. Even uh, Mackenzie Weger said that to me on our post game on. on I like that was he a good goes, one. Yeah, so smart guy I know said that a pack of hyenas can take down a line <laughs> or something like that. Jonathan Huberdeau's referenced it. That's the rallying cry, man. That's the rallying cry for the rest of the year. 
And finally, uh, this one reads, I think you're on the right track on the addition by subtraction. I loved Lindholm, but he had to go. Treliving screwed up. He brought in a free agent to be the second line center and paid him more than Lindholm. And then he gave a winger that hadn't suited up for the Flames yet a contract that was more than twice what Lindholm was getting paid. I'm sure there was some underlying resentment and it showed with his lack of enthusiasm, especially when the Flames kept saying Lindholm was their most important player, but wouldn't meet his asking price, which I think they were smart not to. I'm sure the other players felt uncomfortable with the situation so trading him removed the biggest noise in the room great stuff on the text line so far at 96960 it's pat and logo along with you we're underway this hour on flames talk from our doug lacy's basement systems downtown studio your local experts for basement waterproofing sump pumps crawl spaces foundation repair and radon mitigation they're all things basementy visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com this is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, time for a Monday edition of our Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills is open on Family Day. Do something with the family and something you want to do and find exceptional savings just minutes from the Calgary Airport. It's Steinberg, Logan Gordon, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames Roundtable. Gents, Elliot Friedman dropped a bombshell. No doubt about it. He seems to do that once every few weeks on Saturday headlines when it comes to the Calgary Flames. And this one was a Jacob Markstrom report on Saturday. To paraphrase, um, Elliot said that last week, while the Flames were on their Eastern Conference road trip, that serious conversations, serious talks were had between the Flames and the Devils about Jacob Markstrom, didn't get to the finish line, and and doesn't sound like it's imminent or, or even going to happen at this point. But, you know, it just goes back to one of the conversations we've had at different times over the last number of months, friends, and, and that is what does the future hold for Jacob Markstrom? So I'm just curious as to what your reaction was when you heard, even though there's no imminent trade or anything like that, what your reaction was to that Elliott report over the weekend. Well, I'm not surprised to hear that there are teams interested in trying to acquire Jacob Markstrom. He's been one of the best goaltenders in the league again this season. Of course, two years ago, he was runner-up to the guy the Flames are going to face tonight, Igor Shosturkin for the Vesna Trophy. Last year was a tough year for him and Dan Vladar and the team in front of those two goaltenders. But this year, he's been excellent right from the get-go, in my opinion. And I know his numbers have been a lot better in December, January, and February than they were in October and November. But he has consistently given the Flames a chance to win the games that he started in. So he's been really good this season. A little bit surprised to hear that it sounds like the Flames and the Devils were quite a ways down the road on a potential deal. It sounds like retention uh, is an issue if those two teams are going to come together on a deal. A little bit surprised that the Devils think that acquiring a goaltender, even a goalie as good as Jacob Markstrom, would fix their problems. I think they've got issues in goal for sure. We saw that last week. But I think they've got big issues on their blue line as well. And I don't think they're one player away from being a Stanley Cup contender as much as I like their group of forwards. I just don't like them on defense and I don't like them in goal. So uh, if I'm the Flames, I'm not trading Jacob Markstrom unless the Devils or another team absolutely blows me away with an offer because Jacob Markstrom, like I said, puts this team in a position to win every game that he starts. And then it's kind of up to the forwards and defensemen in front of him. And also 
I think he would be a great mentor for Dustin Wolf moving forward. And I've used this before, but I'll use it again. I really loved how the Predators handled their goaltending situation, going from a veteran, established, number one guy, elite guy in Pecorine to UC Soros. And they did that over time, giving Soros a chance to ramp up his games played every year and eventually take over the number one job. And then Rennie retired and everything's worked out pretty well for Soros and the Predators. So I think that Markstrom could be that guy for Wolf moving forward. But hey, if somebody's willing to way overpay for him, then I think it's up to Craig Conroy to listen to those types of offers and, and make potentially a tough decision. But a little bit surprised to hear from Elliot that uh, it seemed to be as far along as it was prior to potentially retention becoming a big issue and, and get, getting in the way. Yeah, I'm not going to say that I was stunned by it. I think that we've naturally connected Jacob Markstrom to a couple of teams the last few weeks that could potentially use some goaltending help. And uh, when you're a team like New Jersey, as you guys know, we've as we've seen them the last couple of years, they've gone through so many goaltenders it's not really a surprise that they're trying to find somebody who could potentially solve that problem for them, especially when you're starting to get guys like Jack Hughes and and Luke Hughes over the next few years just to go down some of the list of guys that they have. You don't want to waste those years having subpar goaltending. It's certainly what it looked like they got out of uh, Vitek Vanacek uh, even when the Flames were in town the other night there. And Whoa. and I think Jacob Markstrom presents an interesting scenario out there, guys, for the fact that he's playing at a Vesna Trophy level, as Derek sort of pointed out, but also at a pretty good number. I mean, $6 million for uh, a top-tier goaltender in the league is pretty reasonable money as far as I'm concerned. Now, of course, as we heard from Elliot, it's important to, to point out that retention was something that the Devils were interested in, and I don't know how the Flames feel about multi-year retention because it would have to, I believe I'm right on that, Pat, it would, it, you can't just retain for one year. No, you no, retain you're retaining for the, for the remainder. For yep. the remainder of it, yep. and that, to me, drives the price up even more, right? And so now you're not only talking about a goaltender that I think deserves a substantial package in return for how he's playing, but if you're New Jersey and you're asking me if, if I'm Craig Conroy to retain for the next two seasons on Jacob Markstrom so that I have even more room to go about it, it just adds to the package and how they value that compared to how Calgary values that, I, I think can muddy the waters. But can I say that I'm surprised about a team that's moved out some veteran players already looking to maybe capitalize on a good season that Jacob Markstrom's having? No, I really can't, especially when you've got teams further down their competitive window like New Jersey is trying to capitalize on that before all these youngsters come around yep. and start needing big contracts. I mean, New Jersey's just been a, a just a swamp of bad goaltending the last three or four years. If I'm Tom Fitzgerald, I want to get that figured out. ASAP. Yeah, and I, I, I totally get it from New Jersey's standpoint because I don't think that they're looking at this just for this year. I think they're even at the point now where they might believe that it's probably not going to happen this year with the injuries. And look, you take away Siegenthaler and Hamilton are their two best defensemen uh, and, and, and in or two most important defensemen right now. And Nemich and Hughes are going to be incredible players in this league. But in terms of, you know, veterans and heavy minutes, Siegenthaler and and Hamilton being out the amount they've been out that is 
devastating for a team, and it puts a ton on a 19- and a 20-year-old defenseman. So I, 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 I get it from a devil standpoint in that, hey, Markstrom helps us now, but also would help us down the road. But I'm more interested in it from a, a flame standpoint, guys, because I think this just further underlines how willing and committed Craig Conroy is to making this team better in the long run. And as much as there's not going to be any tanking, and as much as they're not going to intentionally try to lose, if there is a serious offer and there are serious assets on the table for anybody on this team right now, I think Craig's going to listen. I, I really don't think, outside of the youth, I don't think there are untouchables on this group right now. I really, really don't. And so if you're getting serious offers for a guy even as good as Jacob Markstrom, who I believe should end up being in the Vesna Trophy conversation when it's all said and done, his raw numbers are good. His underlying numbers are elite. I think that he should be right now a Vesna Trophy candidate or a Vesna Trophy uh, guy in that, in that conversation. He's been so good for the Flames this year. So if you're getting the type of assets that you should be getting and and somebody's in that ballpark with the way things are trending for the Flames and what the ultimate goal is, which I think is to be even more competitive and even better and ready to really potentially hit it with the big boys when the new arena opens in, you know, a little bit more than three years time and three and a half years time. That to me feels like the ultimate goal for the team. So if you can do things to help you get there, you have to at the very least listen. And so I guess what I took from that report over the weekend is that, yeah, Craig Conroy remains committed to getting this team younger, looking at the big picture, and willing to do things, even if it does mean taking away from the group right now in the immediacy. And the way the team has played, I don't think any deal that happens between now and March 8th is going to see them wave the white flag because they've come out and, and been real defiant since the All-Star break, which I give them a lot of credit for. So, Hey, you should be asking for a ton for Jacob Markstrom. You should be looking for an absolutely massive deal in return. And if you don't get it, you have no reason to force a deal because you're happy to, Derek, to your point, you're happy to have him mentor Dustin Wolf. You're happy to have him remain with the team. But if you get a deal that is in the ballpark for what you think this guy's worth, you'd be silly with the direction the team is going right now not to truly look at it and not to bring it to Jacob and have the conversation. Yeah, I mean, Craig Conroy should be listening to and looking at everything at this point in time. And the greatest player in the history of the game in the prime of his career got traded on August 9th of 1988, traded slash sold. So if Wayne Gretzky can get traded then anybody can get traded. But if I'm going to trade Jacob Markstrom, it's going to have to be the type of deal that uh, I can turn around to my team and to my fans and say, I didn't have a choice. It was just too good a deal. I had to take it. Because would you guys agree that Jacob Markstrom is the best goaltender the Flames have had since Mika Kippersaw? Yeah, for sure. Yes. And the team and their fans waited a long time to finally find that guy. So. With two years left on his deal, the Flames still playing very competitive hockey, three points out of a playoff spot right now, and hoping to kind of rebuild on the fly here. I think Jacob Markstrom is a really valuable player for them. And, and maybe I would feel a little differently about the situation if I knew exactly what Dustin Wolf was at the NHL level. But he hasn't had a chance to prove that yet. So 
are you comfortable rolling with a tandem of Dan Vladar and, and Dustin Wolf for the next number of years? Maybe some are. I'm not yet because I just don't know what Wolf is, and I'm not 100% sure what Vladar is, to be quite honest. I think he's probably a number two guy, but goaltenders develop slower than defensemen and forwards, so maybe I shouldn't put that glass ceiling on him. But if a team blows the flames away, then they should absolutely listen on Markstrom or anybody else on this roster. But uh, I'll say this, if Craig Conroy trades Jacob Markstrom, it will send a very clear message to the team and to the team's fans. And I know that there are a fairly large group of fans that would probably like that message, but I can tell you this much, the team wouldn't. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, but I think, I think if you're Craig Conroy and if you're management right now, you have to be open to everything with the the situation that yep. you're in. I, I just I don't I I get it, and maybe maybe there's other things that you can do. Look, I don't I don't think Jacob's going to get moved in season. I still don't. But again, with the way things go, with you have suitors in the off season, I just don't think it's something you can shut down. I think you need to be really open to things because again, the goal is still to be better long term. And while right now isn't irrelevant and winning right now is something they still want. And while they're, they're not going to purposely try to lose hockey games, they still are prioritizing the future, which I think is exactly what they need to do right now. So it's going to be interesting because all that applies to all the other deals that we might see between now and March 8th or all the other decisions, maybe is the best way to put it that we see between now and March yeah. 8th for this team, because I don't, I don't know if it's all going to be deals. Although I still think there are probably multiple deals to be done here between now and the deadline. And to your point, Pat, the offseason seems way more reasonable to me. And I'm not sure I'd do it in the offseason, but if you trade Dan Vladar before the trade deadline and you can get Dustin Wolf into a bunch of games between now and the end of the regular season and you feel comfortable that he can at least be a 1B next season, then I think I'm more open to trading Jacob Markstrom. Mm-hmm. But if I don't get a long enough look at Dustin Wolf, I think I'd have a harder time doing it. Only thing I'd add, yeah. to lastly here, is I, I think you're. I'm on the same page as you, Derek, as far as I think Markstrom would be a good mentor to Dustin Wolf. I think there's a conversation to be had about whether he wants to be a, a mentor to Dustin Wolf going forward, too. Right, because there has been talk that. You know, Jacob might be open to a team like New Jersey. There's been a couple re- reports out there. And that's the other thing about about this on the Markstrom front. Maybe it's our Daily Flames roundtable. There's enough There's enough. Um, enough meat on this bone to just do the one topic today. Derek Wills, Logan Gordon, Pat Steinberg, Daily Flames roundtable. That's the other thing in all of this, guys, is as, as, as Logan brings up, Wills, he, where, where is Markstrom in all of this? If the Flames are prioritizing the future as opposed to right now, and we're talking about a... You know, a goalie who's well over 30 and has been to the second round of the playoffs, and that's as far as he's gotten. We we know. We see it all the time. This guy's driven by winning. He cares about one thing, Ws. If they lose a game one nothing, and he makes 65 stops, he's pissed about the 66, and that's all that he cares about. This guy is driven and dialed to win and win only. I, it's one of the things I appreciate most about Jacob Markstrom, the goaltender. What, what does he want in all of this? And, and would being 
being a mentor for the final two years of his contract on a team that maybe isn't poised to compete for Stanley Cups be desirable as opposed to being on a team like the Devils or another team that, that might be looking at, at contending and making moves to contend right now. That's the other really fascinating part about this whole conversation. It is because if I'm Jacob Markstrom and Craig Conroy comes to me and says, are you open to going to the Devils? Am I convinced that they're in a window to win a Stanley Cup? I mean, I can't speak for Jacob Markstrom, but I'm not. I think they're more. I think they're. I think they're more committed to being there than the Flames are right now, though. Like I bet you, Tom Fitzgerald is is ready to. First of all, let's think about how different this team would look with Hamilton and Siegenthaler in there, plus plus a top end goaltender. I think if you're Markstrom, you might look at that. League average goaltending this season, they're well in a playoff spot. Probably, but I still don't like their defense core. And Even with Dougie and Siegenthaler is, in there? Yeah, but Hamilton and Siegenthaler aren't playing. No, no, but I'm saying I'm saying like playing. long-term. I'm, I'm thinking into next year and the year after, you know? If, if you're Jacob, right. you've got two years left on your contract, right? Yeah, you do. Um, again, no guarantees that Jacob Markstrom, who's been great for the Flames, would go to New Jersey and be great for the Devils. I think it's hard for a goaltender to switch teams in the middle of a season, especially when those two teams play very different styles of hockey. And if Jacob wanted to take the more long-term look at it, sure. The the Devils are probably at a point where with uh, a number of their young players on team-friendly deals for the time being, they're ready to push their trips into the middle of the table and, and do what it takes to be a Stanley Cup contender sooner rather than later. So that's why I think they're probably interested in a guy like mm-hmm. Jacob Markstrom, who would uh, immediately, uh, assuming he could make the transition fairly smoothly from Calgary to New Jersey, make them a better hockey team. Uh, but are there other teams out there who are closer to being in their window to win a Stanley Cup? I guess that would be the question right. I would have if I was Jacob. Okay, uh, I'm open to you moving me if, if that's what this organization wants to do. But what are my other options? Because the Devils aren't winning a Stanley Cup this season. I mean, I shouldn't say that. No, I, I think that's Cup fair. In 2019, when they were last overall in January. So you, you never know. But I just don't think this is the Devils' year. You saw them last week. And, yeah, they can score goals. But they've had a tough time preventing their opponents from doing that. And a big part of that is goaltending. But, again, a big part of that is how they play in front of their goaltenders. So, yeah, if I'm Jacob Markstrom with a new wife and a young family, I think moving in the middle of the season would be difficult, not impossible, but it would be a challenge personally and professionally. So I would listen to whatever Craig Conroy had to say, but ultimately Jacob Markstrom has protection that uh, allows him to veto a deal. So uh, I guess it depends on, on how appealing the situation was. And, uh, if I was willing to wait to next season until to, to play for a, a potential contender. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it, for me, it, it, that's what the conversation comes down to at the end of the day, guys, is I, I think we know if the right deal came around, the flames would be willing to go to Jacob Markstrom. I, I still think we need to, I don't know that we'll get the answer in, until something happens, but I'd be curious to know if Jacob would, you know, at the same time say, Hey, if you put me in the right situation, Carolina, New Jersey, wherever he feels, Toronto. yeah, wherever he feels would be a more competitive spot. If he wouldn't be the one, you know, to say, look, this just the way that it's going just doesn't fit where I'm I'm at in my career, and I'd like an opportunity to try to 
make a push for a Stanley Cup in the next two years before my contract runs out, and I just don't see that being Calgary. I I, I won't leave that off the table because he's so competitive, guys. I, I wonder how much that fuels him. Yeah. Even if it's not this season, right? Like I, I still think it's a conversation that you could have with him, especially compared to where you were with Jacob last season uh, in the offseason. I think you'd have a better chance of moving him this offseason than you would have last year. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, and what value would you have got? You might have had to give up a sweetener. <laughs> it was why it was so dumb to be talking yeah. about that this past off season. Like well, you're going to get selling low on an pennies asset like on that? the dollar, knowing sense, that he no. would. Like Wilsey, we there was a pretty good chance he was going to bounce back here, right? There's a pretty good chance that this was gonna that was going to be a down year. Goalies have them. You don't be a good goaltender for five, six years in a row, have a down year, and oh, no, that's what you are. So the fact that he's back to being one of the top-tier goaltenders in the league shouldn't be a massive surprise. No, it certainly isn't a massive surprise for me. This is kind of who he's been for a number of years, both as a member of the Canucks and as a member of the Flames. And he's been brilliant. Uh, the NHL's first star for last week. Uh, he's now one win away from tying Tommy Salo for second most by a Swedish goaltender in NHL history, so we can do that with a win versus the Rangers. But maybe the Devils aren't interested in Jacob Markstrom because he stops pucks and prevents his opponents from scoring goals. Maybe they want him because he helps the Flames set goals up. He has more assists on this road trip, or as many assists on this road trip, as any other goaltender in the NHL has this season. And he has more assists this season than guys like the Ducks' Trevor Zegras and the Blue Jackets' Patrick Laine and the Penguins' Jeff Carter, and a guy who we'll see tonight, the Rangers' Capo Caco. So Jacob's done a great job of both ends of the ice for the Flames this season. And as Jeff Merrick pointed out earlier on Monday, he got a primary assist on the goal, the Uyghur goal, <laughs> and Blake Coleman got the secondary assist. Yeah. How often do you see that? We did. Next and ever. Just uh, don't take shots at empty nets, maybe. Or think, yeah, do it, do it a little better next time, yeah. Get it past the hash marks, as he said, on uh, on Saturday. Uh, okay, Wellsy, good stuff, man. We'll uh, see you in a few hours here. Okay, see you soon. He is Derek Wills. He's Logan Gordon. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on our Daily Flames Roundtable, and that'll wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk. Thanks to Cam and thanks to Shan for uh, keeping things on the rail as our producers this hour as well. And the Daily Flames Roundtable is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills is open on Family Day. Do something with the family and something you want to do and find exceptional savings just minutes from the Calgary Airport.